Hello, my friends. This is Glenda Taylor. And this little podcast today, I want to speak a little bit about what I'm going to call reconciliation or retaliation. And I'd like to begin by reading a couple of quotations. The first by Jean-Paul Sartre, who said, Freedom is what you do. Freedom is what you do with what's been done to you. Freedom is what you do with what's been done to you. And here is a quotation from a Protestant minister, Frederick Buchner. I'm not at all sure I'm pronouncing his name right. B-U-E-C-H-N-E-R, Frederick Buchner, a Protestant minister. Quote, when you forgive somebody who has wronged you, when you forgive somebody who has wronged you, you've... When you forgive somebody who has wronged you, you're spared the dismal corrosion of bitterness and wounded pride. When you forgive somebody who has wronged you, you're spared the dismal corrosion of bitterness and wounded pride. For both parties, forgiveness means the freedom again to be at peace inside their own skins and to be glad in each other's presence. For both parties, forgiveness means the freedom again to be at peace inside their own skins and to be glad in each other's presence. End quote. Once a number of years ago, once a number of years ago, I had the privilege of seeing a televised conference. which was the coming together of some of the winners of the Nobel Prize. 
Once a few years ago, I had the privilege of seeing a televised conference, the coming together of some of the winners of the Nobel Peace Prize. Seated informally in a conversational atmosphere, this multinational group of extraordinary individuals. On the afternoon, I tuned in. They were all listening to a talk by Bishop Tutu of South Africa, a talk which was followed by a roundtable discussion. Bishop Tutu is famous, of course, for his efforts in working to bring about peace in South Africa, and what he said was compelling. But even if I hadn't understood a word of it, I would have been mesmerized by his incredible presence, such a spirit radiated from him. His dancing eyes, his quick laugh, his intense passion. I had the feeling that here was truly a joyful man, absolutely committed to bringing about needed change in the world, but already absolutely at peace within himself and the world, even as it is. How, I wondered, could this be so? when he had witnessed and experienced such horror and suffering. How has he maintained, despite everything, that extraordinary lightness of heart, that compassion and kindness, that sense of perspective and humor? He gave me, in fact, the answer. It was the subject of his talk. Retaliation breeds continuous suffering. Reconciliation, though difficult to achieve, is our only hope and leads to the only real freedom. Bishop Tutu has carried and continues to carry this message as his gift to anyone who will listen, as does the Dalai Lama, who also participated in this discussion with the same compassionate and peace-affirming message as Bishop Tutu. The Dalai Lama, along with his people, is a refugee from the genocide that happened in Tibet. In every part of the world, Bishop Tutu said, whenever there is oppression, there is a struggle for freedom. When the oppressed finally gain their freedom, then their long-endured sense of victimization and need for revenge often leads them in turn to retaliate. The result is an endless cycle of violence and hatred. The Hatfields and McCoys blast each other to bits through generation after generation, not only in South Africa or in Ireland, the Middle, the Middle East, and many... Not only in South Africa, but in Ireland... The Hatfields and McCoys blast each other to bits through generation after generation, not only in South Africa, but also in Ireland, the Middle East, and in many other places, as well as in the destructive patterns of abuse and violence with so many families everywhere. However, Bishop Tutu said, this is not inevitable, this generation after generation of retaliation. He described witnessing, and I would say no doubt inspiring, 
He described witnessing events in South Africa that were meant to and did transcend this cycle of hatred. He recounted extraordinary acts on both sides of the conflict, acts of compassion, forgiveness, and reconciliation meant to circumvent the urge to retaliate. Efforts to reach across the lines of hatred and class struggle to awaken the goodness in every individual. These, he said, give us role models for peace in the world as well as in our own lives. A lively debate followed Bishop Tutu's talk. Questions were tossed back and forth, such as the questions of the right or responsibility to punish an oppressor. The question of whether there is an appropriate time to withhold forgiveness. The question of whether punishment is ever preventive. The question of whether punishment is ever preventive. The question of avoiding a deceptive self-abnegation that foments oppression. And so on. These questions and comments coming from people who had been in the very midst of oppression and suffering and who had, each in his or her own way, worked tirelessly for peace, presented the complexity of the issue. I was spellbound by this, by watching this conference. Sometime after that, I saw the movie Nuremberg, which raised the same sorts of questions by depicting the trials of an international tribunal. Sometime later, I saw the movie Nuremberg, which raised the same sorts of questions by depicting the trials of an international tribunal, international tribunal of Nazi war criminals. Then I read a book about the history, the long history, of the violence in Ireland, one long recounting of the vicious cycles of retaliation, breeding continuous revenge. Since then, I've often had this complex subject in my mind. And I have it in my mind again in all the things that's happening in our world today and especially in our country today. The complexity that has to do with the Me Too movement, that has to do with Black Lives Matter, that has to do with the, oh, the entrenched positions opposing each other in the political spectrum in our world today. I listen to some of what feel like to me oversimplified and one-sided views. And I think again about Bishop Tutu and about South Africa. And I feel a, a great urge to say a big amen or yes or a ho to what Bishop Tutu said. 
I want to add my small voice to his great voice, and I want to encourage others to agree to add their voices so that the energy of reconciliation, reconciliation grows and grows, creating the possibility of change so that we can break the cycle of retaliation and oppression everywhere, especially in our own lives. However, the questions raised in that discussion are also haunting. Particularly acute is the question of whether or not I have it in me to be so aware, so self-possessed, that I can behave in such a healing way when it's my turn to forgive, to be an agent of reconciliation, to be an agent of reconciliation. Every one of us has to deal with this issue. Life itself, our complex culture, and the people and situations in it impose all sorts of oppressions upon all of us. None of us are so privileged that we escape that. Every one of us has suffered some indignity. Many have been kept down by unjust use of force or authority or have been cruelly subjugated by degrading or inhuman treatment? How have we reacted to such oppression in our own lives? How can we react in the future to similar circumstances? How can we protect and care for ourselves without falling into retaliation? What examples do the world's spiritual traditions provide for us in this regard? I want to read to you now a few of the quotations from the world's spiritual traditions and some of the people that speak out of their own traditions, different traditions, about this subject. And the first is a statement by a prisoner that was in the Ravensbrück concentration camp who wrote or said, O Lord, remember not only the men and women of goodwill, but also those of ill will. But do not remember all the suffering they have inflicted on us. Remember the fruits we have bought thanks to this suffering. Our comradeship, our loyalty, our humility, our courage, our generosity, the greatness of heart which has grown out of this. And when they come to judgment, let all the fruits which we have borne be their forgiveness. That's how one person in a concentration camp in the Second World War prayed for those who were inflicting such horrific horror and pain upon those people in the concentration camp that the fruits of their suffering the fruits of their suffering 
should be applied toward the forgiveness of the oppressor. Christians are familiar with this sort of prayer. Jesus of Nazareth, it is said, prayed on the cross itself. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The Buddha, it is said, pointed to those people who say, He reviled me, he injured me, he defeated me, he deprived me. And in the Buddha's words, And those who harbor such grudges, and those who harbor such grudges, hatred never ceases. He reviled me, he injured me, he defeated me, he deprived me. And those who harbor such grudges, hatred eventually ceases. Hatred does not ever cease in this world by hating, but by not hating. This is an eternal truth. I'm going to read that again because I think I have it written wrong here. He reviled me. He injured me. He defeated me. He deprived me. Buddha says, in those who harbor such grudges, hatred never ceases. In those who do not harbor such grudges, hatred eventually ceases. Hatred does not ever cease in this world by hating, but by not hating. That is an eternal truth according to the Buddha. The great saint from India, Mahatma Gandhi, and perhaps explaining how he was able to be at peace and do the great nonviolent work that he he did and that he fostered among his people. He reminded us when he said, I am part and parcel of the whole. I am part and parcel of the whole, all of it, and I cannot find God apart from the rest of humanity. I am part and parcel of the whole and I cannot find God apart from the rest of humanity, even the oppressor. Again from a sutra 
from the Buddhist tradition. And I quote, May creatures all abound in weal and peace. May all be blessed with peace always. Let none cajole or flout his fellow anywhere. Let none wish others harm in dudgeon or hate. Just as with her own life a mother shields from hurt her own, her only child, let all embracing thoughts for all that lives be thine, and all embracing love for all the universe in all its heights and depths and breadth, unstinted love, unmarred by hate within. End quote. And here is a statement written down as given by the Native American elder, Black Elk. Quote, The first piece, the first piece, which is the most important, is that which comes within the souls of men when they realize their relationship, their oneness with the universe and all its powers. And when they realize that at the center of the universe dwells Wakantanka, that which is most holy, and that this center is really everywhere. The first piece, which is the most important, is that which comes within the souls of men when they realize their relationship, their oneness with the universe and all its powers, and when they realize that at the center of the universe dwells Wakantanka, and that this center is really everywhere, it is within each of us. This is the real piece, and the others are but reflections of this. The second piece the second piece is that which is made between two nations. But above all, you should understand that there can never be peace between nations until there is first known that true peace, which, as I have often said, is within the souls of men. Black Elk. And the Catholic, Roman Catholic monk, wise man, Thomas Merton said, the whole idea of compassion, the whole idea of compassion is based on a keen awareness of the interdependence of all living beings. The whole idea of compassion is based on a keen awareness of the interdependence of all living beings, which are all part of one another and all involved in one another.
and a Jewish writer whose whose name I'm, I would not know how for sure to pronounce correctly. P-I-R-K-E-A-V-O-T, Avot, I presume, said, Jewish, a writer said, quote, when you are filled with compassion, when you're filled with compassion, there is no self to oppose another. When you are filled with compassion, there is no self to oppose another and no other to stand against oneself. What a holy place to be. How important it is, I think, for Christians who are so often prominent in our politics in the United States to remember the words of Jesus of Nazareth as quoted in the Gospel of Luke. Quote, But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Love your enemies. How much reconciliation and renewal might happen if we all began to truly do that great work. It's a great work to love your enemies. Sometimes it takes time, but truly to put our eyes there and our hearts there instead of focusing on retaliation. great Hindu writing the Bhagavad Gita we read if you want to see the brave look at those who can forgive if you want to see the heroic look at those who can love in return for hatred And lastly, here's a quotation from Tishnot Han. Quote, several, autumn, quote, several autumns ago, I walked up to the pine tree in my backyard and asked it one question. What is institutional violence? The tree 
did not answer right away. So I sat at its roots and waited. The backyard was covered with brilliantly colored leaves. The air was fresh, and suddenly I forgot that I was waiting for an answer. The tree and I were just there, enjoying ourselves and each other. After sitting for a long time, I turned to the tree and smiled, and I said, I no longer need an answer. <laughs> then I thanked it and awarded it the Grand, tra the grand Transnational Peace Prize. <laughs> Tishnot Han on institutional violence. So today I close this little podcast, my friend, with my thoughts and prayers for all of us. For those who consider themselves victims, for those who have been oppressed, for those who have been violated, for the oppressors, the victimizers, for the entitled, the privileged, the lonely, the hurt. All of us are in some way or another all of those things, some more than others in one category or another. But in all of us there is a need and a desire for reconciliation. And my prayer is that we find the way, we find a way together and within ourselves to these great places described by these spiritual traditions and by these holy people that point us in the right direction rather than in a spirit of retaliation. Until next time, this is Glenda Taylor at oneandallwisdom.com.